5: If you feel it, put your hands in the air Show some love to the mirror while you're there Let's take it one day at a time Cause you and I out
0: where?
3: All right, Amy here and Lisa and I are super excited to be joined today by Jennifer Rowland. She has been on Outway before and she's someone we reference quite a bit here on Outway, and even on my Four Things podcast. I feel like I'm always referring people to something that Jennifer has posted on Instagram because I just feel like she uses Instagram well. It's a powerful tool. Instagram is how I even connected with Lisa and Lisa opened me up to this whole world of people that are really making an impact. I'm speaking from someone who I know we've got a lot of listeners that this is new information to them, but y'all have really been digging deep in this stuff for quite some time and you've made it your life's mission to help people in a different way. You know, and you're a eating disorder therapist. There's other people that do work in your field that I feel like sometimes you even have to call them out. I, I just learned so much from what you put on Instagram, which if people want to follow you, you're at Jennifer underscore Roland, R O L L I N. But we're extra excited to have you on today because we're gonna be breaking down your new book, which is called The Inside Scoop on Eating Disorder Recovery. And it's advice from two therapists who have been there. And out of the gate, just let us know what inspired Inspired you and Colleen to write this book? Why did you want to put this out there? I mean, because working on Instagram and working with clients, which that's your main thing, working with clients, that's a lot. But to take on writing a book, that's a whole nother animal. So why was it important to you to do that?
2: Yeah. So speaking of meeting people on Instagram, Colleen and I actually met, I want to say on Instagram or Facebook many years ago and became friends. And we both kind of came to the idea separately. It was actually very like serendipitous where I had been thinking, you know, Colleen, like, wouldn't it be so cool if we had a recovery book that was kind of a how to guide for people in eating disorder recovery where each chapter was a different topic. And she's like, Jen, I've been working on this book for like a couple of years, actually. Like I had the same exact idea. So then a publisher ended up reaching out to me randomly on Instagram a couple months after we'd started working on the outline and basically long roundabout way of saying I wrote the book because I personally struggled with an eating disorder. And my passion is really helping other people to recover. And I saw this as another avenue to reach people who maybe couldn't come to see me for therapy.
3: Well, you know, something that I have really enjoyed as how y'all did the book was you back it up with a lot of research and it's very thoughtfully done, but every once in a while you'll sprinkle in you know, Colleen's personal story or Jennifer's personal story. So then it makes it so relatable. And for certain people reading it, including myself, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. There are others out there that have the same things that I have going on inside of my head. So I thought that was a nice little touch that, you know, is occasionally sprinkled in and uh, made it very, very, very relatable.
2: Yeah. That means a lot. And we've gotten that feedback that people love, like the personal anecdotes. We also tried to write it in kind of like a snarky, sassy tone so that it wasn't like to make a serious topic kind of, I don't want to say fun, but relatable to make it sound like it was your best friends kind of like talking to you about recovery tips. A little
6: bit more approachable as well. And I think a lot of people really put therapists and maybe registered dietitians who work with eating disorders on this pedestal. And by inserting your story of, I get it, I've been there. I know the struggle, which is very, I feel like different than perhaps how you were like professionally trained to do business. And obviously there's a perfect balance that you've found of sharing so that it's helpful, not You know, oversharing. I personally also find it really meticulously well done how you two share and the fact that you really had the courage to share and disrupt what's expected of therapists. Because not just for your own personal, like, yay, you did something big, but for so many of our listeners, I think they're afraid to knock on a therapist's door. They think that, you know, it comes with judgment or, They just don't really know what to expect, maybe. So I think softening that and prying open that door a little bit to your own life creates some safe place.
2: Yeah. And that was, again, like really our intention was not to come off as this traditional therapy where it's very stuffy, like you're laying back on a couch, the person is a blank slate. We wanted to, yeah, do exactly what you're talking about, make people feel more open and more comfortable with reaching out for help. So
3: if people wanted to pick up this book, and again, it's called The Inside Scoop on, eating disorder recovery. And on the cover, it's this really pretty pinkish purplish color, but then there's a big old ice cream scooper full of some vanilla ice cream. And so, and then if you, again, if you follow Jennifer on Instagram too, I love the different, you know, yummy coffee posts and all the eating disorder recovery looks like this. And she's doing like an amazing food post, but who is this book for? And maybe who is this book not for?
2: Yeah. So we say it in the book that this book is really for everyone. I think I know myself and from hearing a little bit about both of your stories, I think it was similar, this idea of like, I'm not sick enough. Maybe I haven't been professionally diagnosed. Maybe I'm not, you know, in a quote unquote underweight body. And so this book is for everyone, for people who've been diagnosed with eating disorders, for people who struggle with disordered eating, basically for anyone who struggles in their relationship to food and their body, because we wanted to debunk that myth about like what it means to be like, quote unquote, sick enough.
6: And specifically, we hear a lot from our audience that they are, when we talk about eating disorders, what they hear is restriction, and that's not their problem. They struggle with binging, overeating, and sometimes the weight comes with it, sometimes it doesn't. But would this book provide tools for somebody who is struggling with the binge portion?
2: Absolutely. And we've gotten that question a fair bit, and we have a chapter on binge eating disorder as well as orthorexia and trauma. So we cover a whole host across the eating disorder spectrum.
3: Uh, one activity that I enjoyed doing was filling out my bio egg. So explain to people, and obviously if they get the book, they'll have a better understanding, but I did think that that was an interesting activity to have us do as we were working our way through the beginning of the book, just so that we understand our egg. And like, what does our egg have to do with what's going on with us. Can you you explain why it's important for people to know their egg and why y'all put that in there?
2: Absolutely. So when we think about eating disorders or other mental illnesses, it's this saying where we say genetics loads the gun and then environment pulls the trigger. So looking at your biopsychosocial egg is looking at Biological factors, right? So I happen to have a close family member who had anorexia, which I later learned. Temperamental factors. So there are some personality traits like perfectionism, harm avoidance, being a highly sensitive person. And then lastly, we look at environmental factors. So we know oppression, you know, fat phobia, racism, trauma, going through food insecurity. These are all things in our environment which come together. For that person who has maybe some of the underlying genetics and some of the personality factors, which creates this eating disorder egg and ultimately causes it to crack which causes the eating disorder, if that makes sense.
6: It makes so much sense. And I think as it's such a helpful way to really break down that eating disorders aren't caused by one thing. And one word that you just said that really spoke to me specifically was, it can be caused by trauma or trauma is one of the things that can bring on an eating disorder in conjunction with some other things. But a lot of my clients and perhaps people you work with, some have obvious trauma, such as you know sexual trauma or emotional trauma But others aren't able to say I have had trauma because they don't view their experience as quote unquote traumatic. So do you find in your practice that it's helpful to explore what trauma actually means?
2: Absolutely. And that's such a common thing where people think, oh, trauma is only sexual assault or physical assault or abuse, and they will minimize their experiences and say, oh, well, that couldn't possibly have been a trauma. So in our book, we talk about big T and little t traumas, and it's not to diminish anything, but it's to recognize that Trauma is anything that overwhelms your nervous system's ability to cope in that moment. So, if you're a child and your parents go through a really awful divorce, that could be a trauma, right? It's common. A lot of people go through that, but it can be highly traumatic. And so, we have to realize that trauma is way more broadly defined than how it's typically defined, you know, in the media.
3: Yeah, I think it's so important for people to recognize big T's and little T's. And then if they do have the resources to put in the work to maybe even access, sometimes we, yeah have trauma that we don't even realize is there because we don't have the time or the resources or the energy to tap in to said trauma, whether big or little. And depending on how long we've been numbing with whatever various thing for however long, then, yeah, bringing that trauma to the surface is very challenging
6: but then validating to be like yeah even though you didn't go through physical or sexual assault you went through something else that was challenging and even if no one else understands it's real to you and this is one of the causes that you know this is how you ended up in this situation so how how do you clients respond to doing this biopsychosocial egg work?
2: I think, you know, for people, it can be a big like light bulb moment, or even just it feels good to gain more insight into the different factors that caused it because we don't necessarily need to know what caused it in order to treat it. But it's definitely helpful, right, to guide our course of treatment, right? If it's partially caused by trauma, then trauma work might be indicated, for instance, like after somebody has worked on healing their behaviors with food. I will say with the trauma-specific component, that can be challenging, like you both kind of alluded to, where it's like, Someone might have never identified as a trauma survivor, but as they're looking at the environmental stressors they went through and they have someone like me or another therapist who's validating and saying, wow, you know, that sounds traumatic that your parents weren't emotionally available. Um, So recognizing that they might have struggled more than they are aware of can also be a little bit jarring, I think, at first for some people.
3: I had to read actually a few times because I had never had it put this way for me, but was acting as if. And I went ahead and, and started doing that. I was hearing you. I mean, maybe I had heard it in different ways from other people, but I was traveling the weekend that I was reading your book and I went out to eat a couple of times. And I thought, well, this is fun for me to do the act as if activity. And we went out to Mellow Mushroom or something and I ordered love that place. Yeah. And I ordered a yeah barbecue chicken pizza with jalapenos. And yeah, it's got this barbecue drizzle. And I don't think honestly, I'd had that in, I don't know, 12 years. Not for any reason. I just had not been to Mellow Mushroom. But even if I had been like eight years ago or something, I probably would have only ordered the salad or soup or something like that. And it was fun for me In recovery, and I'm not trying to throw it in anybody's face that isn't quite there yet, but I will say it was a great activity even on the other side of things to still act as if, and I'm going to have you break that down because some people are probably like, wait, what do you mean act as if? But my example is I ordered my barbecue chicken pizza and I acted like this is totally normal for me. And it's cool cuz now it is normal for me, but I just wish that I had had that activity years ago because, you know, I do think you have to to practice it. You have to practice doing those things that maybe you're like, "Oh, wait. I am I'm, I'm not supposed to have this pizza." And I'm doing air quotes, but this is a podcast, you can't see. But when you do the activity, you act like it's totally normal. And you're like, "Yeah, it's very normal for me to be ordering this pizza right now." And then it, it creates that new neural pathway of like, yes, this is normal.
2: I absolutely love that. That is such a great example. And it's so awesome, like just to have that joy in food, right? Like after you deeply struggled with an eating disorder.
6: It's the joy coming out of Amy's mouth right now. Like you're so alive telling that story that it's giving me life and making me (laughs) want to find a mellow mushroom. But it's like it's so contagious what you're putting out right now, telling that story by using the tool in this book. So, I mean, I think we all feel that, which is awesome. Yeah. Even though that's an activity
3: I'd done, I just wasn't ever calling it act as if. So then even when I read it in your book, Jennifer, I, I read it a couple of times and then I wanted to implement my act as if. And now, now it's making sense. I don't know. Maybe I was tired at the time, but it like wasn't clicking for me. And then I was like, oh, wait, now I totally get it. But so for other people, like break down act as if and what it is. Is and then why it's important to act as if when you are really seeking recovery.
2: Yeah. So I love this skill, and some people might just kind of know of it without knowing the name. But basically, what it is is thinking about first off, like your true life values and like what you want for your life. And so, for someone in recovery, maybe that's my value is I want to be able to share pizza with friends. Yet, I'm in recovery. I feel really scared and terrified. And my eating disorder is telling me, you know, you're going to gain X pounds or like X is unhealthy. Right. And so instead, I choose to act as if. And basically, that's doing the action while feeling the fear or whatever other emotion it is. Ultimately, Just to explain it further, I think often in life, we say, I'm going to wait till I feel motivated or I'm going to wait till I feel confident before doing that hard and scary thing. But the thing is that the behavior change comes before our thoughts start to change. So we only gain confidence by doing actions that we would do if we were confident while feeling scared shitless inside. So that's ultimately kind of what it is. And I think your example was so perfect.
6: I'm so glad that you wrote a book because you have such a succinct and powerful way of putting things into words and oh, thank you. that make you want to do it. It's really incredible.
1: been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
6: We
3: went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because
0: of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
6: In your book, you also talk about mantras for food guilt. I can't tell you how many times I get DMs from somebody in a panic who's going through the guilt of I just ate or maybe the guilt of I didn't exercise today. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to include mantras, maybe even backing up and
2: just explaining what a mantra is? I define a mantra as kind of just something, a coping statement, something that you tell yourself in the moment. And for people in recovery, often there's a lot of guilt and anxiety around eating or like around exercise behaviors, things like that. And many of my clients struggle with guilt and anxiety around food. So these are just like short statements that you can kind of tell yourself if you're in the heat of that moment and the eating disorder voice is yelling in your head about how quote unquote bad like some food is.
6: It can be so powerful to have that. And if it sounds like that won't help me in the moment. It's one of those things that you just got to try it. And it's so centering because it gets you out of that fear mode and into safety. And even though you're in the same exact physical space you just were, it's like a new door has been opened and it's just a glimmer of light. But that glimmer of light is all you need to keep going and know that you just did something really hard and keep going with acting as if even pairing those two together. I feel like could be really helpful. I was just about to
3: say a mantra could be, okay, act as if, act as if, act as if, and you can repeat that to yourself. And it's not lost on all three of us, like we've all been in your shoes if you're if you're listening and you're like, okay, but really, what do they know? And it's like, no, I, gosh, we've been there. Everybody's story is a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, maybe that mantra for you is act as if, like maybe skipping the workout is what you need and you act like that's your normal. Oh, act as if skipping your workout is no big deal. And then eventually it will become no big deal. Like your life will go on. I just remember thinking like, if I did not work out for a day that my whole body was was going to happen. I didn't know if it's going to wake up and my clothes wouldn't fit. Like I I had those thoughts. If I don't go to the gym today, I'm going to be bigger tomorrow. And, you know, I wish that I had, had had a mantra or something else to tell myself of like, that's just not the case. And I was giving myself more stress and anxiety and worry in all my thoughts instead of keeping them more
6: positive and, and believing that that I I did have more control than I thought. Does that make sense? So much. And Jennifer, I am a huge fan of therapy. I've been in therapy my whole life, but I'd say if I had to, I really don't like having regrets, but if I have one regret after meeting you and reading this book even is that I didn't ever seek out specifically an eating disorder therapist specifically (laughs) because Even though I knew I had food stuff going on, to have somebody walk you through these things that I did alone and provide the tools rather than feel so freaking alone when you have that food guilt or that workout guilt. and. To have somebody to say it to and to that person to, first of all, validate your experience and then provide a tool to get you through it. I mean, you're saving a lot on emotional energy that, you know, it's hard to figure this stuff out on your own because you once you're in that fear brain, it's really hard to realize that there's any other way to feel in that moment. It feels so scary that your clothes aren't going to fit or that you've caused damage to your health. If you're struggling with orthorexia,
2: you know, all those things. So, yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think even when you do seek treatment, it's so helpful, right. To have someone to walk alongside you, especially if they've been there, but even if they haven't, who has lots of experience with working with eating disorders, I highly recommend that. And we also have to set expectations that when you're starting to act as if, like you're going to be scared and that fear brain is going to be activated. Right. And like you said, something like a mantra or other things can be grounding to get you out of almost that like fight or flight, which can come up because you know, we all understand for people with eating disorders, taking that day off of going to the gym feels like taking someone with a fear of heights and saying, okay, we're at the top of this really tall building and I want you to stand here and bungee jump off of it. Right. So we have to acknowledge that this work is really hard, but I think we can all say that it's incredibly rewarding and the payoff is really big.
3: Okay. Jennifer, do you mind if I read something from your Instagram? No, go for it. You put up a big picture of Haagen-Dazs ice cream And that was the photo. And then your caption was, my life without an eating disorder is a million times better than my life with one. In my eating disorder, I was miserable, frequently didn't want to be alive and very anxious. Today, I've been mostly off exploring Baltimore with Mark. We got lunch at a restaurant. I asked him if we could grab some ice cream and we'll be eating dinner out. In my ED, I would have been so anxious about all of it and missed out on joy, not just the food, but being able to enjoy the moment and the day with Mark. I feel happy and at peace with myself. I just wanted to share that as a story of hope and encouragement to anybody listening that if you feel anxious and miserable, I remember feeling, yes, tons of negative emotions when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, just so much negativity. And it really was just, I I was toxic to be around, quite honestly, because I was no fun. And now here you are sharing a story of hope where you feel true happiness and joy and you're with Mark and you're able to to enjoy life to its fullest you're not living small so I just wanted to to read like one of your posts, because again, I think people following you, they'll get a, a lot of that kind of stuff. But can you speak to like the, the joy and happiness that you do feel now?
2: Yeah. So I appreciate you reading that. It's interesting to hear what you wrote read aloud. Yeah. I think I felt very emotional, honestly, writing that post because as you know, and you know, as Lisa knows, when you have an eating disorder, like vacations are miserable, at least they were for me in the past. It was Constant anxiety about when can I get to the gym? I have to eat out. Can I bring my own food? Like it was just so much stress and anxiety. And so now being able to like go on vacation, even for like a weekend, and just like have so much fun and explore places and eat out and not have that like eating disorder voice in my head is just the best feeling ever. So yeah, I just want to provide hope to people that recovery is possible.
3: Yeah. And I would just say to anybody that does have a little weekend getaway coming up, or maybe even it's just. exploring your own city. Maybe you go around, you pick a weekend, whether it is a trip or yes, in your own town, and you act as if for the weekend. Act as if you get to enjoy your city. You get to enjoy the food. You get to enjoy missing a workout. Act as if that is your normal. And then we're all living proof that it can be your new normal, and we want to be your biggest cheerleaders. That's why Lisa and I even wanted to do Outweigh. When I called her to start this, I was like... I'm just feeling like I want others to have this. And so what can we do? And so I'm thankful for her and and you, Jennifer, experts that I've been able to lean into and and gain so much wisdom from and hope. So thank you for that. And this is coming from someone who used to travel to third world countries because my kids are adopted from Haiti with her own almond milk. And uh, other produce that I'm pretty sure was probably illegal for me to travel into another country with, but I didn't care because <laughs> it was more worth it for me to have my organic lemons than you know possibly going to airport jail. But whatever.
2: Yeah, and I just wanted to say I'm so honestly grateful to you both for doing this podcast. I think you know for the one I was on before, there was so much positive feedback, and I know you guys are just continuing to like change lives and inspire people in recovery.
6: We're grateful to have you as a resource and our audience really is freaking fantastic. The DMs that we get and the shares on social media, when we have an awesome expert like you, like I know this episode is going to be shared a lot, is what keeps this podcast going. And, you know, it's like just a very small trickle effect of each person positively benefiting in such a safe space, breaking down ideas about therapy, about eating disorders, about orthorexia. And I'm super grateful for Amy for really introducing me to a whole new group of people that have never heard of things like orthorexia or think that because they're in bigger bodies that they don't deserve to have care to a treatment team or to get eating disorder help. It's been so surprising even for me, the, the people that I've reached and they're just the nicest people. <laughs> So thank you for being a guest today. Let's do a part two so we can talk a little bit more about your book. So we'll pick back up with another episode with Jennifer to learn a lot more about her book and the amazing takeaways that we can use to make our lives enriched. But in the meantime, order the book. We'll put a link in the description.
3: And again, it's called The Inside Scoop on Eating Disorder Recovery. And it's advice from two therapists who have been there so they know what they're talking about. Not only do they have the credentials and they're very smart, but they are witty and offer some levity in it and also uh, sharing their personal journey along the way. I feel like too, I just want to say this because I don't know, it just came into my head, but I feel like too, that your book, Jennifer, I know would be so beneficial for some people in my life but I don't know that they're quite there yet with it. But is it weird to just gift a book like that to someone or how how do we share your message more? Or I, I don't know, I'm stuttering because I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just more so like it's something where when I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be so good for so-and-so to read. But is it weird to give someone a book that says The Inside Scoop on Eating Disorder?
2: I think it could be okay to say, hey, like I connected with this person or I found this person on Instagram and I kind of like her message and she wrote a book. You know, I'd love to send it to you or whatever. Just to kind of funny anecdote. My parents went to visit our wedding venue and they gave the person who we've been coordinating with at the hotel a copy of my book, which I personally was like, well, that's a little strange, but she (laughs) seemed to appreciate it. So I guess my point is, I think it's okay to say like, hey, here's this cool person. Feel free to check out the book. Like you're not saying, well, this means you have an eating disorder because I'm giving you the book. Well, and I
3: think more so some people that I'm even thinking of, it's just more just educating yourself on to what other people were going through. I feel like maybe some of my friends or even my sister or something, I wish she would have had it to read when I was in the throes of my eating disorder because I think it would have helped her better understand a little bit more of maybe what I was going through. But okay, well, I could keep going on and on, but we'll do that. In part two. Thank you, Jennifer, as always, and thank you to our Outway fam.